0: Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanik, lead pastor of The Block Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Great to see all of you. So glad you're with us. Want to welcome our online family and all of those at our physical locations. Hello, glad you're with us. My name is Joey, I'm the lead pastor right here. And uh, we're just excited, man. We're about to dive into God's word. How many of you enjoyed and were convicted and challenged last week over the message? Okay, a few people, that's not encouraging to me. But uh, maybe that just means God got to your heart last week. Maybe that's what it was, all right. But uh, we're in a series called POV, Point of View, and we're studying the words of Jesus. We're doing this all the way through Easter. What a great, great series to invite somebody. So, so if you, if you didn't invite, invite somebody next week. Uh, we're talking about what Jesus said. A lot of things that Jesus said that are a little bit like, whoa, controversial. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit this week. Uh, and so that's what we're doing. And uh, next week, everybody say next week. Next week, your location pastor is preaching live at your location, all right? And so that's exciting. Uh, And uh, the location pastor at the Northeast is a Cowboys fan. And uh, I'm just gonna tell you right now, if any of our location pastors, including that one, show up in any sort of uh, paraphernalia like this, okay? uh, There will be consequences. Just warning you. I am warning you still the boss. (laughs) Okay, so, all right, let's dive in. Let's dive into God's word. Um, I have, uh, I I love when I say that and then I go tell a joke or something, but here we go. Uh, So I have a few items in this basket. Uh, I have a Spider-Man bear. This is a -a Build-A-Bear. Thank God, my uh, my mother-in-law bought this. Otherwise, uh, it would have been the last bear we bought. But uh, anyway, this is uh, my son's bear. He's five years old. He 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 goes to bed with him. I gotta tuck him in. And my son named him, and he named him Barry. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? Cute. Barry and Maverick is is uh quick to make sure Barry does not wear his shoes in bed. And uh we've been teaching him manners, you know. A lot of you can walk into my house with your shoes on, but hey Derek, but the but the bed is the bed, the bed is a different place. So so this is this is Barry, and uh he's with us. And then I also brought um I brought something really kind of sentimental for me today. There we go, Bear. Okay, Barry. And then I brought, so this is uh when I was a baby, my I think uh my mother and my grandmother found this. Uh and this was my chicken blanket, okay. Um, but <laughs> uh somebody was quick to point out that uh I've been calling this uh my chick blanket my whole life, but I think there's ducks on here. <laughs> so you find out things later on in life, and it really messes with you. But I used to, I used to take this thing everywhere. I would hold it between my two fingers, and uh, I, I actually like feel the memory of that. And anyway, uh, and so no, I'm healed. I'm healed. Okay. So then uh, I would also take monk, monk everywhere, now, monks dressed, um, and I'm dressed. And but what, what's crazy about this is chicken monk is what we call them. I call them. Uh, almost 40 years old. And so we keep them in a plastic bag because, uh, you know, that preserves everything. So uh monk's got cataracts in his eye or something. He's got something going on here. Can't see anymore. But, but uh, somebody was like, yeah, I just hit 40. That's right, okay. Uh, but anyway, so, so these guys, chicken monk, it's so crazy like looking back on this because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go anywhere without these guys. Uh, they represented uh, comfort and confidence. Now, if, if you, you you know you you know maybe your babies, your kids, they they have something pacifier, binky, uh, you know a blanket, a, a bear, whatever it is. It represents comfort and it gives them confidence. Yeah, and these are good things, right? I mean, they're they're not bad. I mean, the 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 parent uh, books will tell you, you know, helping the kids sleep at night, give them a bear. Maybe not a monkey. Why did my parents give me a monkey? That kind of freaks me out thinking about that. But I digress. You know, it's like it's like you have these things, and I, I think they're fine. But I do think there's a spiritual principle here. I think we have things in our lives, right, uh, that are comforting to us and bring us a level of confidence. Uh, but they 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 end up creating a false security. Yeah. And we, we live our whole lives needing these things. And these things may not be a little bare, but uh, it, it, it might be your cell phone. It might be a toxic person. Uh, it, it might be your relationship with money. Uh, it, it could be your career. It could be your status. We, we have these things. And, and you know what the Bible calls these things? They're called idols. You got it. They're called idols. And today, I want to preach a message from the words of Jesus and I want to title it, My Favorite Idol. My Favorite Idol. And uh, get ready. Going to be another heavy one, but why preach if it doesn't hurt? (laughs) Amen. All right, let's go to Luke 14, verse 26. Just gonna read this, and then we're actually gonna walk through Matthew 10. It's, it's, a, it's the same thing, really. But here's what Jesus says. You thought last week was crazy. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Well, get ready. It gets worse. Matthew 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and yes, even his own life. Well, he can't be my disciple. And that's it, guys. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Go birds, you know. It's like, well, I was enjoying my life as the Eagles for winning a playoff game and now I'm supposed to hate my life. What? I I thought I was supposed to, to love my wife as Christ loved the church, but I'm supposed to hate her. My mom and dad, that was easy. Some of you are <laughs> like, my kids, depends what age. You're just like, what does Jesus mean? I thought the message of Jesus was love. Well, we should find out, right? Yeah. And that's the point of this series, because I think a lot of us, we have these these little biblical uh Catchphrases or, or, or these verses, and it's like my son did this the other day and I almost smacked him silly because he's like, he was being disobedient. He's like, I can do all things through Christ. Against and I'm like, bro, I will not spare the rods. It's like, he's like, we're so good at Christians, we're so good at taking stuff out of context. And it's like, all right, so we got to know what it means so that we can follow and be disciples. And so um, I'm going to go to Matthew 10, uh, verse 32 through 39. and, And before I read, um, this, again, it's it's very similar. It, it, it's paralleling really exactly what he's saying. He just says it differently. There's some in, in, different stories interlaced. But the context of Matthew 32 is Jesus is calling his disciples. And the chapter is a clear and obvious invitation to the 12 apostles, uh, which apostle really means sent out or ambassador, right? Of the message of Jesus. Uh, but 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 it's also really Christ's voice to the disciples on the fringe. Uh, meaning uh, that while you may not be one of the 12 apostles or, or 12 disciples, uh, you are one of the thousand disciples uh, that might be at the block church today. Or you're online and and you stopped and, and you saw this, like, like if you call yourself Father Jesus, you're a disciple, this is relevant to you. And so the context here is Jesus gives them like five things basically before we read. He's like, hey, I give you authority to go cast out demons, heal the sick uh, and, and uh, see people be healed. He says that. And I just wanna say this, friends, that I don't know what kind of church background you come from, but, but that same invitation is yours today to lay hands on your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, your boss and go be healed in Jesus' name and just be crazy enough to believe that God can do it. Right. Still an invitation to you. Still an invitation to you to, to drive out demonic forces in your life, in your world, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, on your block. You can walk up and down your block casting out demons and you know they're there, right? It, it's, all, it's an invitation. The second thing he's like, hey, don't take too much on your journey. Look for people of peace to house you on your journey. He says, I'm sending you among, uh, out among, as sheep among wolves. In other words, the culture is deceptive. It's crazy. It's anti-Christ. You will be persecuted, harassed, and some of you will die for standing for me. Oh yeah, don't worry about what you have to say if you go before the authorities. The Holy Spirit will help you. Also, hey, one more thing. Actually, two more things. Your friends and your family will probably hate you because of me. And then finally, again, don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'll have the final word. Now, now it is kind of funny, Jesus being like, hey, you're going to get beat up, persecuted. People are going to hate you. Don't worry about it. I'll get the final word. But, but, but when he's saying that, I know Jesus is, 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 he knows our natural human instinct is to have anxiety and, and worry. And what he's saying is, is you gotta know in the midst of that, we win. It might look like you're down by a hundred points, but you're gonna win in Christ. And so that's kind of what he's laying out. So here we go, verse 32, Bible says, "'Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, "'I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven.'" But everyone who denies me on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying like, hey, look, you got to acknowledge me publicly. If we will not be public about our allegiance to him, he's saying, I cannot be public about my allegiance to you in front of the father. Um, My son asked me last night, we were doing our prayer walk. I make him do a prayer walk. And, and so we're walking around praying and he's like, hey, wait, where's the door to heaven? And I said, oh, son, oh, there's no door. You're asking the wrong question. It's not about where, it's about who. Jesus is the door, you know, and I'm preaching. That he's the way, the truth and the life, you know, and then he's like, forgot what he's asked, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, but basically, I mean, it's that, that's what it is here. It's like, hey, if you deny me before men, how can I acknowledge you before? The Father. Everybody Jesus called, he called publicly. So there's no such thing as a secret Christian. Okay, that's, a, that's an oxymoron. It, it, it's, it's, it's a contradiction. Now, now, everybody knows the Christians were embarrassed of or perplexed by, right? The, you know, the, and I'm not talking about people who are bold, loving, and truthful, I'm talking about those with no tact, no love, no fruit. What's no tact? Well, no tact is you're not led by the Spirit and your timing is inappropriate and weird. Great. If you don't respect people's time, like you're in a staff meeting at work, not, probably not the time to, to, to bust into the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe <laughs> just be a good teammate. Yeah. Great. Okay, but there is a moment, there is a time. You can use your scriptural principles. You can use God's word, right? But, but I'm just saying no tact, You're not gonna make any traction. Uh, The second one is is no love. It's people who wanna establish their truth or even the truth, right? By pointing their finger without listening or without establishing love or concern for their counterpart. You know, the old saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so so love is an important, Important uh, ingredient in delivering the gospel. Here's the last one, and this is probably the, the, the main one when somebody doesn't have any fruit in their life, people are surprised you're a Christian because your claim is laughable. No growth, no life change, no peace, no power. You're not faithful to a church. You run around seeking a high at an event. Right, I mean, you got no fruit in your life. And and here's what I'm saying uh, is is if you've got no tact, no love, no fruit, you probably have no evidence. I I fear that in many of our churches, I I fear that in, in many of our own lives, if we were arrested, if we were arrested and charged with being a Christian after the trial, they would find that there wasn't enough evidence to convict you. Not enough fruit, not enough evidence. Being a Christ follower, it should ooze out of who we are. It should be second nature. We don't just come in here and say, be praised and sing a song and say amen and have no evidence of Christ in our life when we leave the doors. Otherwise, it's a show and a social club. And Jesus did not come to start a party or a social club. He came to say, follow me, follow me. And verse 34, he says, don't imagine. I love this. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah, but Jesus, what about Christmas, man? peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Now this is Matthew 10. In Matthew 5, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, blessed are you and people persecute. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacekeepers. Jesus, you're confusing me. I thought your message was a message of love, of happiness, of hugs. You know, again, you got to put yourself in the disciples' uh, point of view, if you will, because they may have actually liked this line, where normally they weren't liking the lines. But this one, because they're like, We're, that's right, no peace. We're going to attack the Roman government. We're going to slice them with the sword. I mean, think about it. Even Peter, at the end, where Jesus is about to get crucified, he's still trying to cut people's ears off. They still, like, they still struggled with the idea of, of the kingdom being an unseen inside to the outside thing. They wanted progress. They wanted justice. They wanted winning. They wanted status. They wanted security. But Jesus was talking about something different. And again, there's not, there's not things wrong with some of those adjectives. But Jesus was trying to get something deep into their heart and their soul about following him that was first before everything else being added. What did he mean? Well, when he's saying there's a sword, uh, best that I can describe it is, is, is when you're gonna go into battle, Uh, You you have to to know the man in the trenches with you. And what I believe Jesus does with his words and by way of the spirit is he's he's pulling out his sword and he's drawing a line in the dirt. And he's saying, hey, you can't toe the line. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, like, like you—you you can't, you can't walk like this and really follow me. I'm going this way, and staying neutral isn't going to get you anywhere. And so, what what we're doing is—is—is is, is when I say that I, I didn't come to bring peace per se, I came to draw the sword. What I'm saying is, is there has to be a radical all-in commitment to me, because I made a radical all-in commitment to you. There was nothing peaceful about the cross and there won't be anything peaceful by you making a decision to say, okay, I'm walking away from something else so I can walk towards you. Jesus is saying peace that surpasses all understanding comes to the believer once the believer follows Once the believer is grabbing tightly to Jesus because he's made a decision to follow, well, at some point then you're gonna experience the peace in the middle of the storm. But if you're toeing the line and you're making yourself happy and comfortable and bringing yourself security, at some point it's all gonna fall apart. I'm asking for radical, not religion. And that's what he's saying. Guys, there's two kinds of Christianity and there's two kinds of churches. Uh, there are Christians and churches that are, their focus on their religion is acceptance and tolerance. There's also those who are king and kingdom. What do I mean by this? Well, One is built on feelings. The other is built on faith. one will crumble. The other will face persecution, but last. What I'm saying is we cannot accept or tolerate sin. We cannot accept or tolerate an anti-Christ, anti-God's Word agenda. A lot of us will tolerate and accept sin and lifestyles so that we can have peace, so that we don't upset folks, so that we can fill seats, so that we can have what we want and not hurt anybody's feelings, so that we can justify how we wanna live and sneak into heaven's gates while living like hell on earth. I wanna be clear about something. At this church, we welcome people to walk in here or watch as they are. And if you're here today, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're doing or facing right now, I want you to know you are totally welcome here just as you are. 2 Peter 3.9 says this. It says, the Lord is patient with you. Aren't you grateful for the patience of God? Amen. Amen. Thank you for the golf claps here. I know they're clapping loudly at every location. Aren't you grateful for the patience of God? That represents the grace of God, the love of God, his mercy. However, just as he's patient with you, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So not only will God change you when you're willing, he will transform you and use you. The, the, the tension of our faith is, is we have to participate in the change. We have to, we have to do the hard things. We got we to gotta draw the line in the sand and jump to God's side. Look at what the scripture tells us to do. James 4, 7, submit yourself and resist the devil. Romans 8, 6, the mind that's governed by the flesh is death. But when it's governed by the spirit, it's life and peace. Ephesians four twenty four. Put on your new nature. Romans twelve two. Don't conform to the patterns of the world. Philippians four eight. Instead of being anxious, think on good, godly things. James one five. Ask for wisdom. Yeah. You can have it. And I can go on and on and on and on and on and on about instructions in the scriptures because it's not automatic. Deliverance. And freedom is an ongoing discipleship process. When you say yes to Jesus and you jump to the other side, it doesn't mean all your stuff goes away. It means that you are seeking and learning and being discipled and accountable and open and willing to say, God, all of you. And that might mean leaving all of me even the things that bring me comfort and security. What is Jesus saying? I know you got some idols that you love, but those things gotta break because I only accept first. Verse 35. I have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, your enemies will be right in your own household. Whoa, whoa, wow. Jesus, this not gonna work. We can't build an army like this. What's crazy is First Timothy 5.8 tells us if we don't care for our relatives, well, then we're faithless. So, so what is he saying? Because I know God wants love and harmony. What what is he saying? Well, again, this dividing line between those who accept Jesus and those who reject him might even run through families. It's the sword. I read this story the other day on the Voice of Martyrs. It's a great website and and ministry. But there was a gentleman who lived in Iraq and uh, he found Christ obviously a Muslim world, and he finds Christ as an encounter with Jesus. And because of that, his wife and his children leave him. Then after that, his, his family, his brothers, they beat him. Then he's imprisoned and they try to torture him back into Islam. So he moves Away from Iraq, I think to Kurdistan to get, get away from it, but, but the lingering effects, the ongoing chronic sickness and illness from the pain and how he was beaten lingers with him today. And I think about this story and I, I try to translate it to us because at this point, at this point, and at least in our American culture, you may not be beaten for your faith. You're you're probably safe still in that regard. I wouldn't put it past the crazy world to live in that at some point you will be persecuted. But I want to translate that to our lives because the reality is is your decisions to truly follow Jesus and radically follow him, it might create some serious conflict between some of your family and your friends. What I mean by that, well, well, some of you, you might get to a point in your journey with Jesus where you know, I just can't party like that anymore. I, I just can't go to those places anymore. Well, in your journey with Jesus, you might be like, hey, you know what? I, I just can't spend the money on that stuff anymore. When I say can it's kind of like, I don't want to. This is not for me anymore. I've, some of you are going to be like, I decided to do something different with my life. I know, I know this was the family plan. I know I was supposed to take over the business. I know I was supposed to be a lawyer. Uh, I know I was supposed to be a doctor, but, but something is speaking to me and God is asking me to, to follow him and to shift into a different direction. That's not for everybody, but it could be for somebody. Your parents, your family, like why are you living in Philadelphia? Because God asked me to. Well we're not going to support you if that's what you want to do. Well, Jesus is going to support me. Some of you might quit college and go to TBSL or our school of leadership. Or, or some of you might change careers. Or some of you might start a nonprofit. I, I think there's some of us who we're, we're business folks and we, we make a lot of money, but God might be calling us to, to, to start a nonprofit or, or work at a church or, 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 or go volunteer more of our time. I don't know what it is for you. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you the voice of God will beckon you. Some of you are like, I'm gonna give this amount to build God's house. And the spouse might be go, you're crazy. What about this? What about that? And you're going, no, but, I, but, but my, I seek first the kingdom. He's my treasure. I don't know what it is for you, but all of us have idols. Which one will break? And who will we follow? He goes on to say, in verse 37, and this is the parallel verse. He says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, I love my kids. But when we go back to Luke 1426, and, and and it's similar, right? It's similar in the NIV, the ESV, KGV, NKJV, uh, really any of the translations, and, and you can put this back up on 1426 of Luke, right? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his family, cannot be my disciple. How do we reconcile this? What what is he saying? Well, well, the great theologian Charles Spurgeon, he he. He, he creates a picture like this. Okay, from right here to right here, what would you call this? It's a gap. And, and the picture that he paints and, and what many believe and what many understand about what Jesus is saying is, is, is for a lot of us, like, like God in our list of priorities, he's like here and other things are here and other things are here. And God sometimes is first when it's convenient, but he's not first when he's not. And if I've got to make a financial sacrifice or a career sacrifice or a decision sacrifice, or if I've got to be inconvenienced, like God just fits where I can fit him like a puzzle piece. But God is not the puzzle piece. He's the board in which you put the pieces on. And the, the, the word hate actually means a gap. It's like if you love anything, like remotely close, like if this gap gets closer, you're doing the wrong thing. Like this is a problem. This, these things over here that's moving closer to God, they are idols. And what Jesus is saying is draw near to me, draw near to me, get to know me, love me, and keep moving the gap. Keep making the gap larger so that I'm first. And here's what will happen. Just from a practical standpoint, here's what will happen. Here's what happened When the gap is like this, when you are married, Okay, when you have a spouse and the gap in which you love God to them is this wide and the gap in which they love God compared to the way that they love you is this wide, guess what? Your marriage, it's gonna work. And your love for each other will somehow increase. The best way I can it is like this. We had our son, never thought I could love anything or anyone more. And then we had our daughter and I barely like my son anymore. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, right? But it's like, how is there room enough in my heart? How? But but somehow there was. It was supernatural. And, and what I'm saying is, is when you love God so deeply, compared to everything else, there's such a gap. It almost looks like hate. It's like, that's how drastic he's talking about. What happens is that somehow God's love, because you're closer to him, your love for others increases. It's crazy. It's supernatural. So is God telling you to hate? No. He's painting a picture of the drastic nature of your commitment to him. So let me help you. What are your priorities? What should your priorities look like? This is what your life should look like. God first. Marriage second kids third church fourth career fifth philadelphia eagles six and when it's a different season philadelphia fill in the blank six But many of us our priorities are out of whack it's it's pleasure you know why because the pleasure represents security it's 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 children before my spouse because my marriage is rough and we're just kind of here because we got here and so i put the children here and my priorities are out of whack and because i don't want to deal with fixing it and Friends, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a verb. And so I prioritize not based on feelings, but based on worth, based on choice, based on principle. The greatest danger of idolatry, friends, comes not from what is bad, but from what is good. The greatest danger to the best comes from second best. Jesus must Be first. And in verse 38, as I close, he says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Look. I think, I think because in the West we enjoyed hundreds of years of Christian blessing, we have forgotten Christian sacrifice. And it's not bad that this is the paradox of faith. Blessing follows principle. God's principles, it results in God's favor, in God's blessing. And so we've had that in the West. But friends, the next level of your faith comes with a deeper level of faith and sacrifice. And so because we've, we've lived in, in this comfort zone of, of Christianity, it's real hard for us to lay down our identities. It's real hard for us to lay down our careers. It's real hard for us to prioritize the kingdom. And and Jesus here is going, hey, you've got to take up your cross. What does that mean? When the disciples heard this, this was the first time Jesus referenced the cross. And so they were like, whoa, whoa. What are you saying? Because they knew what the cross implied. They knew that taking up your cross meant one thing. It meant death. One thing. It was not, when Jesus says, take up your cross, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm taking up my cross. It's been a bad day. No, it it literally means my only hope for life is resurrection. It means when I take up my cross, it means no turning back. It means when I take up my cross, I am willing to die. I am willing to suffer. I am willing to fill in the blank. I am willing to do whatever it takes to make Jesus first priority. I'm willing to look like a fool. I'm willing to give up my career. I'm willing to sow seeds. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to worship when nobody else is. I'm willing to, I'm submitted, I'm surrendered. That's what taking up my cross is. And the honestly, the only way we succeed is through resurrection. The only way we succeed is if Jesus succeeds in us through us. We, to live, we die. That's it. To live, we die. We, we submit everything. And I'm not saying that your ongoing life of the things you do and, and what, what you're a part of that you got to surrender. What I'm saying is, is everything is always on the table. God, you want this? You want what's in my bank account? You want my time? You want, you want, me, to, you want me to offer this? You, you want this, this relationship? You, you want this friendship? Like, like God, what, what are you asking me to do? Do I need to, where where do you want me, God? And I'm just following and I'm staying a prize to it voice and I'm listening and I'm going and I'm doing and I'm surrendered, I'm submitted, I'm enjoying, I'm finding pleasure in the kingdom. But when he asked, even though it hurts, I take up my cross because it's dead men who don't sin. It's dead men. It's dead men who don't have an opinion on what the way things should be other than the scriptures and the word. Monk, he represented security and comfort and it was fine for a time. But when I'm a child, what do I do? I drink milk. I, 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 I play with toys. I, I hold tight little bears, little monkeys, little blankets. But when I grow, I eat meat. When I'm a tour, I graduate from childish things. And some of us today need to break and lay down the idols so that we can graduate from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from childlike to maturation. What idols in your life? What comforts might God be calling you to lay down so you can follow him all the days of your life? In Jesus name, come on, let's stand to our feet all over this room today. At locations, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, please, nobody looking around. I wanna ask you an important question today. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you in relationship with Jesus? Because if you're not, now is the moment. And I don't wanna scare you into the faith, but I do wanna remind you, you're not promised tomorrow. And Jesus is the door. He's the only way to life. And if you've been running from him, if you're not following him, if you're not where you need to be in your journey with God, like today's the day. Get right with God. Begin a journey with God. And if you can hear my voice wherever you are and you need to get right with God, you want to begin a journey with God, you want to start again. If you can hear my voice and that's you, would you wave at me right now so I can pray for you? You're saying, I got to start again. I got to begin a journey with God right now. Come on, at every location, lift it up. Raise your hand and wave it at me. If that's you, I see you. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. you saying, I got to, remember, for him to acknowledge you before the Father, we got to acknowledge him before men. If that's you, come on, wave it, wave it. Saying, I got to get right with God. I got to begin a journey with God. I got to start again today. I got to, I see you at, at locations everywhere, even at home. Here's what's going to happen next for all of us. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song, and, and, and as we sing the song, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to get right with God, I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite you to meet one of these prayer partners at the altar. I also want to invite you, if you've got idols in your life that you need to lay down, come, die at the altar. If in your life you have a prayer need, it's a financial need, a physical need, whatever it is, man, these altars are open. And here in the Northeast, I wanna invite more staff to come and help me. And wherever you are, at your locations, man, don't be fearful, like move out of your seat and let the Holy Spirit do the great work in your life. So as we sing, let's come and let's move right now. Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories, and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.